0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Golden Edge, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos.
1: What is up, hockey fans? This is uh, Ben Goats and David Shane, your Las Vegas Review-Journal Golden Knights reporters here at City National Arena for the Golden Edge Podcast. Quick reminder before we get going, Golden Edge Podcast is presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. Uh, But Dave, this is a very special edition of the podcast.
0: uh, Special guest.
1: We are joined by a special guest, uh, Golden Knights left wing and the leading scorer of the NHL preseason, Max Pacioretty. Max, thanks so much for uh, coming on with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, So, I mean, first of all, we'll just get right into it. How's your second Las Vegas training camp treating you? (laughs) It's a lot different, a lot different than my first one. Uh, A lot more comfortable. Obviously, I
2: got traded the day before the training camp last year. So it seemed like, uh, you know, it was all positive. My my life a little bit in limbo, trying to find a place to live, uh, where my kids will go to school, whatnot. So I was busy away from the rink. Uh, This time, you know, I came, you know, five or six weeks before camp um settled in and uh you know led to a pretty good camp uh, for myself individually and i think uh, a lot of my teammates are in a similar position where uh you know everyone feels comfortable right now with where we're
1: at so uh, we've had a pretty strong camp so far yeah i mean how different is it just because as you mentioned i think you said earlier in training camp you were running out after practice and looking at houses for of course you had three sons and then your wife who was pregnant with your fourth son at the time so i have to imagine that must have been just a really hectic time yeah i mean looking back on it while I was in it, it was
2: fun, and I was busy and doing a lot. But at the end of the day, we need to save as much energy for hockey as possible. So I was expending a lot of uh, energy away from the rink. And and while, like I said, it was a great, uh, it was a new experience, and and I was learning a lot about Vegas and the community. Um, it definitely took up a lot of my time and energy. So it's nice now to be able to go home and maybe take the odd nap here and there uh, before I pick up the kids from school, but it's also nice to have a little bit of a schedule and some structure. It's kind of the way I've lived my life always, is uh, I do the same thing every day. I eat the same thing every day. I I like to be uh, in a routine. And so that was difficult at the time, you know, living in a hotel, but uh, I feel good now and,
0: and I got my routine locked down. I mean, I don't think fans really kind of know what goes into, for a player, being traded uh, I mean, you know, obviously there were some rumors and things like that. How much, I guess, preparation did you sort of have? How much kind of knowledge going into, you know, the summer that this could happen? Were you prepared for it, I guess, even?
2: Yeah. It, you know, to be honest, I completely messed with my whole summer plans and routine. Uh, I kind of I, I had to stay in Montreal for for the entire summer. A, a big reason for that was, you know, getting the call when I will get traded to get everything ready and get everything organized because i just felt like it was a matter of time the writing was on the wall um so normally i, I go to connecticut and i train there with my trainer so i had to find a new training set up in montreal i had to uh organize you know skates and whatnot uh on my own so it was in that sense it was much different and it was almost like waiting by the phone every day waiting for it to happen and you have in your mind maybe a couple teams here and there that are interested Uh, But at the same time, you can never really fully prepare for what's about to happen. So this summer I was able to get back uh, with, you know, my old trainer, my training routine. And um, as I mentioned, come back here early and we have such a great staff here that you're able to kind of continue that program um, once you get here and and get ready for the year. So it's made, I think, a world of difference. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can show that this year.
1: SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need
0: this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to
1: $50. Well, I we want to get into a lot of stuff, not just, of course, the circumstances that brought you here. You mentioned Connecticut. Uh, you grew up there, and I believe, uh, is this accurate, the Marc Messier Rangers kind of helped you fall yeah. in love with the sport? Yeah, I mean, uh, no one in my family ever played hockey. My mom was actually
2: born in Mexico, um, my dad in California. Uh, they lived out there. No one in my family ever ever played hockey. Um, had to have been around 94 when uh, I just said, let's go to the rink for free skate. I enjoyed watching the Rangers win the Stanley Cup uh, that year. So we go to the rink and then there's a flyer on the wall that said sign up for hockey. And I said, why not? We'll try it. And I uh, just fell in love with the game. Uh, at the same time, my family fell in love with it and uh, no one ever forced me to uh, to go to the rink or forced me to go play hockey. I think if they did, I probably would have rebelled and, and not <laughs> played. So it was a genuine uh, love for the game that, you know, kind of drove me every day. And as I mentioned, my family ended up falling in love with the, with the game. I think my dad nicknamed my mom Donna Cherry after she uh, <laughs> she would uh, stay up late and watch the West Coast games when we would all go to bed when my family got the NHL package. So it was just cool uh, to see, a you know, a household a uh, family of people who just didn't even know what hockey was to kind of fall in love with it. And
1: uh, yeah, that's my childhood right there. And now she has a much bigger reason to stay up for those West Coast games. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: So, so you mentioned your mom being born in Mexico. Yep. I, I'm curious kind of, I guess, how it shaped you in terms of uh if you've ever felt singled out sort of growing up in in hockey and maybe if it made you more sensitive to some of the you know kind of diversity issues in in hockey that we hear about now
2: no i thought it was great i thought it was really cool that uh you know uh, being one of i mean i didn't know any growing up of any uh people of spanish descent playing hockey uh really cool that i was able to play with scott gomez um, one of my favorite players and even when he was with the rangers uh, he was probably one of my favorite players uh so yeah it, there haven't been a lot uh Austin Matthews is one um it hasn't been talked about a lot that that my mom was born in Mexico, but uh something I take a lot of pride in and uh yeah i I've never had to deal with any uh challenges of that. I think it's you know cool and i'm I'm proud that I'm one of the few um and hopefully you know down the road there can be a lot more. Mm-hmm.
1: Of course, you know, after starting hockey, you became a first round pick. I mean, you played at Michigan. Uh, Dave and I are both big 10 people, so yeah. we can appreciate that. Um, and of course, you became a Canadian, which is one of the storied NHL franchises, and had, you know, a lot of eventful moments there. Yeah. Um, one of the big ones was, of course, uh, this is a Dano Chara hit. Yeah. Um, bad hit that uh, hurt, I believe, a vertebrae in your neck. Yeah. If um, looking back on it I believe it's eight years now I yeah. guess what are your your thoughts well you know what if you're going to play in Montreal especially for 11 years you're going to have to learn
2: to overcome adversity there's always going to be some sort of adversity whether it be um, within the media or uh, expectations pressure um, in my case uh, the broken neck and the the media attention that came along with that um, and it's you know, it shaped me into the player and the person that I am right now I definitely had a A lot of experiences uh, when I was there. I'm thankful for those experiences, but I'm also thankful that that's kind of uh, beyond me now. I think I've learned all that I can from all that, and I'm ready to kind of just exhale. And, and, uh, you know, after my first season in Vegas, just worry about one thing, and that's winning hockey games. And um, I was happy that I was able to find my game there uh, towards the end of the year and in the playoffs. And, um, I think being able, like I said, to overcome some of that adversity earlier in my career kind of helped me with uh, the expectations and the adversity after my trade. I don't like the way I started the season last year. I um, faced uh, some adversity as well with injuries and whatnot and, and line mates injuries. And uh, it definitely was far from a perfect year, but I'm looking to uh, you know get beyond that and, and use that to my advantage this
0: year and you know be ready for whatever does happen and take it in stride. I would imagine anybody that goes through an injury like that, we hear about kind of how it changes perspective and things like that. Did did your perspective change on hockey? Did you, I guess, maybe gain more of an appreciation, you know, going forward in your career after that?
2: Yeah, I also think I was too young and naive to realize how serious it was. Um, My parents were at the game and uh, obviously you never want to see anyone go through that, but I I couldn't even imagine now that I have kids, uh, how I would feel and they stayed with me at the hospital. the whole time they stayed with me for the recovery the whole time and, and my wife was there every second of the way too so uh I think I was just too young and naive and I think it's almost better off that way that uh I didn't know really the severity severity or the to what extent you know uh how bad that could have been so um I don't take any day for granted now that I look back on it now that I have kids of my own um, whether it's a preseason game at Team Hoval or or whatever it is, I just enjoy uh, playing each and every day. And I think playing in a place like Las Vegas now, where you know we get the chills uh, coming into the rink for a preseason game at Team mobile it's uh, you know I just want to go out there and have fun every day. And, and playing in a market like this allows me to do so and just not worry about anything else except for you know uh, fulfilling my
1: childhood dream and hopefully uh, winning the ultimate prize soon. I have to ask you about another memorable Montreal Canadiens moment—the uh, patcheretti 67 Burger, uh-huh. which was at uh, McDonald's for I believe like a month. Yeah, in Montreal. Yeah. Uh, can you explain to the listeners what a patcheretti 67 Burger is? Yeah, as uh, we mentioned,
2: my heritage. There's some Mexican flair in there with the uh, tortilla chips. Uh,
0: Ooh, I guess, nice! I'm to yeah. have to try that <laughs> yeah. when I'm up there.
2: It was good, yeah. but you know I trying to be a little bit healthier now i don't want our uh, <laughs> uh the training staff here to to know that i was uh, doing an endorsement with mcdonald's i think we're pretty serious here about the the training regimen and the the food and the nutrition here so uh that part of me is uh is in the past it was fun while it lasted i had uh, some of the some of those burgers and uh on, I guess, to some healthier stuff while I'm here. <laughs> Did you have like input in like, I guess,
1: the design or the ingredients that were gonna go
2: in there? Yeah, brewer? we had a few options and I uh, tried them and
0: I liked having those chips in there. So it was pretty good. Yeah. Nice. So, I mean, obviously being a captain in, in Montreal, you're probably more recognizable than the, the mayor, I yeah, would imagine. Yeah. I mean, what can you give a sense of just what it was like to walk around every day as the captain of Montreal, and yeah. you know, probably not even be able to go to the supermarket without yeah. uh without being bothered for you know autographs or whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, you got
2: noticed by every single person, every single place you went. But the whole narrative that that's a negative thing, um, kind of always uh, upset me. Within my whole career, there, I never heard a negative thing outside of the rink. I think when you do see or hear the negative stuff, but that seemed to be a lot of like social media and whatnot. So, um, I almost felt, you know, when, it, when a trade was coming and everyone was talking to me and everyone wanted to talk about it, I didn't want to say, I don't want to say I felt fake, but I just wanted to be, try to be as open and genuine as possible. I wasn't able to fulfill as much of the information as, you know, as I would have liked. Um, that being said, I, I, I never had a negative encounter with a fan my entire career, so, um, you often hear people that play in big markets. Oh, you can't even shop for groceries. That's just so untrue because, um, the negative stuff that does happen is, is really not the people that you see out there. The people you see out there, uh, love the team and, and, you know, we're big fans of, uh, me as a player and obviously
1: being the captain. So, um, yeah, I, I had nothing but positive things to say about that. I mean, obviously everyone wants to be a captain growing up. I mean, I was excited when I was captain of my, you know, peewee team in Woodbury, Minnesota. Um, but now that you're on a team that doesn't have like, you know, an official quote unquote captain with, you know, a C has your, I guess, perception changed of kind of that leadership system or how that's kind of structure is set up. We have
2: a unique situation here where
1: um, everybody's equal.
2: We rely upon four lines every game. We rely upon all the defensemen. This is a situation that's different from any other in the league. There's a reason why we don't have a captain We, we genuinely have you know twenty three leaders out there uh, every day in practice and uh, it obviously started with uh, you know the whole misfit and and that label of uh, you know guys feel that wherever they were before they they weren't wanted and uh, whether you know I, I feel I can include myself in that and a couple of the guys who were who were traded as well. Um, so this is you know i know we say it and it sounds you know uh, cliche that there's 23 leaders but this is the the one place that can i think genuinely say that where we rely upon every person on this team um uh, at any given moment to, to help them make the teammates better so um definitely can't do it in every market definitely can't do it in bigger markets uh with uh, a lot of uh, attention where you know the captain has to stay after and talk to you know, so many uh, media members every day and be the face of the club. Um, that's just not the case here. So we're able to, I don't wanna say fly under the radar, but we're able to kind of, uh, you know, when some guys are going, uh, they can get the attention. And then when other guys are going, we just feel like it's only a matter of time before, um, you know, everyone on the team gets their praise and what they deserve. And it just kind of keeps rolling like that.
0: Are there kind of positives and negatives maybe to, to a, a leadership system like that? Yeah, I don't, you know, like I said, in our market, I don't
2: see any negative of the way that we do it. Um, Off the ice translates to on the ice. I think when you don't have, you know, one or two people that are higher than everyone else on the team, at least a really good team chemistry and camaraderie, both on and off the ice. Um, You know, I've seen in bigger markets where someone gets a letter or someone is the captain and they get all the attention and the uh, everything you know kind of goes through them. yeah, that's great when things are going well but when things aren't going well um, you know it's hard on people so uh, I just see our organization um, from top down there's no egos we saw that um, with management uh, this summer. we saw that throughout our lineup uh, you know the year before I came last year and I think it'll just continue to always be like that. Uh, Everyone in this organization is important from the top down, and I think not having a captain kind of uh, shows that and proves it. Mm-hmm.
1: I want to ask you, of course, about uh, Paul Snazny, a guy you were very familiar with, kind of coming into this team because uh, you guys were Team USA teammates. I believe you're already friends off the ice. What was it like knowing once you got traded here that all of a sudden you guys are going to be teammates on the ice as well? <laughs> yeah, um, big reason why I wanted to.
2: Sign an extension here. He's a great team guy that has a lot of experience, you know, obviously having a dad who uh, one of the best players of all time, always seemed to rub off on him as to how to play the game the right way, how to be a leader, how to um, say the right things at the right time. So he's, uh, you know, probably my best friend now. and, And we were very close before, but being on the same team now for an entire year has been a lot of fun, able to learn a lot from each other And uh, like I said, a big reason for, uh, you know, for my success, I think our line success is,
0: uh, you know, he just plays the game the right way and he makes everyone around him better. So we've seen how close you and Mark Stone, I guess, have become (laughs) in the last few months. Is it still a surprise to you knowing that, you know, the rivalry that you guys (laughs) had, you know, going back to to Ottawa and Montreal?
2: No, you know, we we actually we stopped talking about it because it's (laughs) uh, it's it's normal now. (laughs) At first, it definitely wasn't. And I think even after like, I think even after our first game together, my wife came home and was like, "Yeah, even uh, even Mark's girlfriend said something about how uh, <laughs> he couldn't believe how weird it is." So
0: definitely was strange at first, but uh, <laughs> we're past that for sure. <laughs> there does seem to be some actual on ice chemistry that you guys have generated. Is that just yeah. kind of a byproduct of you know two good players when they get together? Sometimes good things happen. Yeah, I think we really
2: play awesome together. I think we really have an understanding of um where we each other are on the ice uh, plays we're about to make and whatnot so um yeah i I don't know why chemistry works but i think uh you know when you have smart players like we do uh, throughout our whole lineup we have a lot of good chemistry up and down but i really feel that uh mark and i have uh developed a lot of great chemistry especially with uh, with staz so um hopefully we can keep that going
1: yeah, just a couple more for you before we'll let you get out of here. I mean, first of all, you've touched on this already, but uh, what can uh, Golden Knights fans expect from Mas- Patrick this season? I'm just
2: going to give it my all uh, every night, and uh, there's different ways I can contribute to this team. We have a lot of good offensive players, and and I'm not relied upon offensively as much as I have been on the pass, and you know sometimes that's a nice thing because it allows me to round out my game. I think um, being able to play physical has helped our team at times, and... Uh, No matter what the score is, no matter what position we're in, I just want to go out there and uh, give it my all every game. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to. And uh, hopefully I can do so. And hopefully uh, if I'm able to rub off on my teammates in certain times, you know,
0: through my experiences, uh, hopefully I can do that as well. You've obviously been a part of some big rivalries in the NHL. You guys start out with the Sharks. How do you feel about this rivalry uh now that you're kind of going into year two with it and it seems like you know obviously the bad blood's there yeah. on both sides yeah it's uh well so the the weirdest thing for me
2: about it is that i don't think montreal has won a game in san jose i don't know what the stats said but maybe like 10 years plus
0: oh wow so
2: well, i have to look that up yeah, so i looked it up so, last year it was
1: a long time yeah
2: so i was coming into san jose with just nightmares of you know, when they go on the power play and they got the shark mute, the Jaws music, and I just never had success in San Jose. And then uh, I remember telling people how hard it is to play in San Jose, but you know, our team, you know, felt comfortable being in there and uh, that changed quickly. I was able to find my game uh, pretty quickly playing in there. It just shows how funny the, the mind works where <clears throat> you go thinking a team uh, is impossible to play against to so finding some room and some creating some opportunities and that just changes. but. It so reminds me a lot of uh, when Montreal w- we would play against Boston and it just seem like there's always some sort of uh, whether it's a fight or a scrap or a controversy that just got things heated. And uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fun
1: and a uh, big rivalry for years to come. Last one from us. Um, obviously, you guys now have Mark Stone for the full season. I mean, your top six seems set and preloaded. How good can this team be this year? We have, a, we have a lot of depth and um, a lot more depth than, than
2: any team I've ever played on. And and that's really nice because um, this summer you, you hear all this stuff about uh, Knights are in cap trouble and uh, what are they going to do? But we're not in cap trouble. We're just a cap team because we have all of our players signed. We have a lot of good players and they're all signed for uh, a long time. And I think that allows us to have such good depth where... Um, say you know adversity does come and things do happen throughout the year which it always does we're able to bounce guys around and put them in different roles so i think in the long run that leads to a uh you know a really good team with uh, good chemistry and uh like like i said the depth of this team is unlike any i've ever i've ever been on so we're hopefully doesn't have to get to the point where we have to uh you know bounce things around too much but um You know, obviously, when adversity comes, it's nice to be able to have those options.
1: Well, that's going to do it for us here on the Golden Edge podcast. A reminder that we are presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. Uh, I'm Ben Goetz. He's David Shane with special guest Max Pacioretty. Max, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thanks, Max. Thanks all for listening, and we'll talk to you again real soon.